All right, if you would be turning in your Bibles, we're going to be in Romans chapter 6, verses 20 through 23 this morning. And as you're turning there, let me give you the key truth for this morning. It's that the fruit of our justification helps us to grow in sanctification and prepares us for glorification in Jesus. Let me say that again. The fruit of our justification helps us to grow in sanctification and prepares us for glorification in Jesus. And I'll explain for those of you who may be going, what are those, what are those multisyllabic words you keep saying? I'll explain what they are as we go through uh, the, the service. But if you would give your attention to the reading of God's word. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things uh, of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, as we're approaching this text, remember this is within the chapter in which Paul uses their baptism and what it signifies and seals to try to help them understand how then they should live in the context of a church that was dealing with issues of disunity. And those issues of disunity were political and they were racial and they were religious and they fractured along all sorts of lines. And so he was trying to give them an image that would unite them. And baptism for him was the richest image that he could come up with. It was the thing that would declare so beautifully and simply uh, their unity in Christ. That it was by Christ alone, his death alone, that they were justified. Now let me pause for a second here and remind us that the word justified or justification does not mean not guilty. That's not near enough. In fact, what justification means is your family. You have been grafted into the family of God. You have become an heir to all the heavenly blessings. Justification is the great and glorious truth of who and whose you are. And baptism is a great signifier and sealer of that reality for those who have professed faith. And even more, they are also united in the fact that they are risen with Christ, that the resurrection power of Christ doesn't just wait for some time in the future, but begins to affect them now. They can walk in newness of life now. This is why he can say to them, you are not slaves to sin. Now, Paul is not suggesting that they can be perfect. As you have experienced, can you be perfect? If you're being perfect, we need to make a video and show some people and a documentary of sorts. Uh, but, but no, we realize that we, we can't be perfect. So he's not talking about perfection. What he's talking about is tyranny, dominion. He's talking about that you can actually make progress, right? So the, the question that I have for us is what most influences how you see yourself? Not how you see other people, but yourself. Right, And this is where we can get into trouble on either side. Sometimes we have too inflated a view of ourselves, right? Like if you're like me and you're trying to get fit by 50, uh, after the first two workouts, you pretty much, I pretty much thought I was getting in shape, right? Like I, I was like, ah, I, think it, I think we're on the road. And then I, I saw myself in the mirror 
which I not want to do very often, but I wasn't making a lot of progress based on the old eye test. But in my head, I was getting there, right? So two times is not going to get it. I understand that. I've got a physical therapy degree. I'm not daft. But we want to think better of ourselves. Just recently, it was one of the holidays, and I didn't see or talk to anybody, not because I actually like people, but at the end of the day, I was like, man, I'm, I'm killing this fruit of the Spirit thing. I am gentle. I am kind. And my wife got home, and I'm like, what are you talking about? You didn't even engage with anybody. I was like, yeah, that's, it is relational. So I, I'm not doing as well as I thought I was doing. But even, I think, more devastating to us is we tend to stay locked in and view ourselves based on the worst day of our lives. Based on either the largest sin we've ever committed or the largest sin that's ever been committed against us and how that now influences how we see ourselves, right? Think about uh, Just Mercy and Brian Stevenson, who one of the rich things he was trying to do is, is to tell people, you are not who you are on your worst day. And this is something that our baptism yells at us and declares over us. And this is the beauty of our justification is you are not locked in to the worst day of your life. And we do struggle with sin, right, in the flesh between the now and the not yet. We're still a mix of saint sinner. And so it's hard for us because we tend to be fairly absolutist. In that, we wanna be completely over whatever the issue is. And if we're not completely over it, it makes it really hard for us to see any sort of incremental change. And what a gift it is to be able to say, hey, I'm not necessarily where I would love to be, but I'm better than I was. And so this is where our justification can be really helpful to us in declaring that the most important piece has been taken care of. And this is what Paul's going to tell us. Out of that, the, with the most important piece taken care of, that means your family. And you will no longer be judged according to uh, the things that you've done. You're now judged according to the righteousness of Christ in full. Still matters how you live, but as far as God is concerned, there is now therefore no condemnation for you. What a great gift it is to be reminded of that when we have such a funhouse mirror, distorted view of ourselves. And so this is what Paul wants them to have. He wants them to know who and whose they are. This is about identity and the identity that influences and affects every other role every other identity that they would have in their spheres of influence and in their lives. So let's turn back to the text and see what Paul has for us here. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Now, what he's not saying here is that you, were, you could be as righteous as you wanted to be. No, what he's saying is you were free from anybody thinking you could be. And we know this from the Old Testament because remember what Isaiah said, about those who didn't quite know Jesus, that those who tried to save themselves their works, that their righteousness was filthy rags before the throne of grace. Right? So even, even any attempt of someone who is not justified, it, just, it, it does not in any way, shape, nor form please or reach the throne of God in a way that affects anything. And so what he's saying is, you were unable, you were free from righteousness because you couldn't do it. You couldn't accomplish it. But what you could do, actually, he's going to go on to say and, and suggest that we do a little bit of self-examination here. He says, but what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? 
What did you gain from your life enslaved to sin? And he goes on to qualify because he understands how we work, right? Is sin uh, actually exciting? Isn't it tempting? Isn't some of it actually enjoyable for the moment, right? So that's the danger of sin is you don't immediately feel ashamed. You don't immediately feel the consequence, which is why he qualifies and says, for the end of those things is death. Now, who gets to decide that? This is really important that we know the answer to this question. Who gets to decide that the end of those things that we were doing outside of our justification in Christ, who gets to decide that they end in death? God does. And it's according to his holiness and his righteousness. It is not up to us to decide, yeah, but I I think this one, it actually brings a little bit of life. I actually really enjoy it. I have found an identity. I have found a set of things that gives me purpose and meaning in this life. But is this life the point? No, not ultimately. It is part of the point. We don't want to disembody ourselves. We don't want to say that between the now and the not yet doesn't matter. No, it very much matters. But it's very important that we recognize we are not the judge. And here's the good news. Think about how gracious God is to let us know this truth and provide a means by which we are not bound as slaves to the results of this truth. You can say, I don't like that God has decided that all these things that I think are fun and life-defining and uh, all these other things that, that are enjoyable, I don't like the fact that he says they end in death. Totally understand. Totally understand. But please recognize how gracious he is to say that while that is true, that is not your only option. That is not your only reality. In fact, you can have eternal life. You can actually live in a way that brings meaning and doesn't bring shame and guilt and destruction. We need to have a sober view of sin and its impacts and how the things that don't lead uh, to, to God being glorified and, and God's righteousness being displayed, they are in fact deadly. Not to be toyed with or played with. But even more important that God would be so gracious to say, and yet I offer you life more abundant in and through the person and work of Christ. You are not who you are on your worst day. You are not defined by your worst moment. No, you, if you are in Christ, are defined by the most loving moment in all of history, which was when Christ laid down his life for us, when he presented himself as the sacrifice, the payment, the propitiation for our sin so that we would no longer have to walk around shamed and guilty, guilt-ridden and fearful of God in a way that would not draw us to him. That what Christ gave on that day was redemption restoration to God the Father, and life more abundant. And so it's important that we be able to to recognize what is the result of us not being justified. What is the result of our baptisms not being a reality in and through our faith in Christ alone, through God's grace alone? And then he, he goes on to say, but now that you have been set free from sin, 
Think about the great gift that is to be set free from sin and its entanglement. This should hopefully call to mind what he says in 1 Corinthians 15 when he's talking about the glorious power of the resurrection. When he says, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, sin, where is your victory? We have been set free from sin. Again, not to be perfect, not to get it all right, because we would become arrogant monstrosities if we could be perfect in and of ourselves. We would. I, like I said, it don't take, I, I work out twice and I think I'm a, a fitness influencer and guru, right? Have you ever met anybody that did the whole 30 diet? I am glad that it was so intense that nobody could keep up with it and it's kind of gone out of our vernacular. But everybody that did it in those first, that first week when they were so intense about it, it was the most evangelistic thing I've ever seen in my life. They told everybody, right? Like I had a friend of mine, Chris Fogel, so I love this dude. He's the pastor of the church in Jasper. And I went out to eat with him and he was just going on and on with the people. And they're like, dude, I don't care. Just what do you want to eat? And he, you know what I mean? Like, and he was just going on and on about it. I was like, I swear, Chris, I, if you don't quit talking about it, you talk more about it than you actually do it. Um, and so, uh, but we, <laughs> that is our tendency, right? We, we, we start doing something and we want everybody to know, we want everybody to be part of it and to benefit from it. It's a good intention at heart probably, but it, it can shift into the arrogant if we're not careful. And those are low level examples. We could give some that are, are much more dangerous. And so the good news is, but, but we are not enslaved to sin, that, that we now have been set free from sin and have become, and he uses this language again, he, Chris dealt with this last week, he's using it in human terms, we are now slaves to God. But in justification, the great news is we don't get treated as hired hands, we don't get, treat, we don't get treated as slaves, we are treated as sons and daughters of the God most high to benefit from all the fruits of our justification, which we have talked about quite a bit here. And he goes on to say that in, in being slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification. So the fruit that we get from being restored to God, we need to recount and recount it often. So the, one of the first fruits of justification is that we receive God's love. And not in some sort of distant or, or far off kind of way. It's not like a, a father who, who lives in some foreign country who sends a check every now and again. He is present. We get the very love of God in and through his presence. And now I know what you may be thinking, like, where's that? I don't feel nothing. I mean, I know it's cold in here right now, but I don't know if does God present make it cold? No, uh, that's just cold in here because the things blown out. Uh, we do pay rent. Uh, we didn't forget. Um, and so the, the presence of God is something that we know is promised and true. Every once in a great while, we get to feel something that connects to that, and that is a wonderful gift. But as Jonathan Edwards would warn us, our emotions, our affections don't mean anything one way or the other. They don't. The question is, does it actually translate into you living differently like living in light of God's glory, right? And so th then the emotions would be a good gift that helped you to translate into sanctification looking more like Jesus. Uh, but they don't mean something in and of themselves, right? They can't be trusted. Um, the other day, I was pretty sure that I, I was being a, a, a attacked in the bathroom, but I had hung up a shirt and it was kind of hanging at the edge. And when I went to open the door, I was sure someone's standing there. Almost had a heart attack. 
that shirt's never going to be the same. It got beat to death. But it wasn't true. But it is, if you, had, if you could take and stop time in that moment and had asked me, what do you know to be the truest thing in the world? The truest thing in the world I knew as I was being attacked by a, a disembodied shirt. Uh, and so, so we got to be careful with our emotions, right? They can be helpful, but more important is God's promises. More important is that we cling to what we know to be true because of what Christ has done. So God's love and his presence is one of the great gifts of our justification. We also get Jesus. And Jesus, for those of you who've been reading Ray Ortland's uh, Gentle and Lowly, and those, we are, those of us who are going through on Tuesdays, we've been in those chapters where he is both intercessor and advocate. And this is language from uh, the book of Hebrews and 1 John. And so he serves as intercessor for us by always testifying about us. And what's interesting about his intercessory work is that it is not just, yeah, I know Cameron is having some struggles, but he is still mine. He does do that. He does intercede for us when we have messed up. He does intercede and make sure that we are known before the throne, but he also intercedes and testifies when we do things that are of eternal value. We might not know it, but he makes it very clear. I will testify of you in the congregation. I will testify of you in the great heavenly throne room where worship is going on right now, according to Revelation 4 and 5. And he advocates. So when we get ourselves in trouble, he is the first to rush forward and say, no, that person, that son or daughter is a, is a, a brand that has been snatched from the fire. He is mine. She is mine. What a gift that we have. The, the creator of the universe, the king of the universe. Think about that. The king intercedes and advocates for you. But that's not all. Wait, there's more. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are temples of the God Most High. We have a member of the Trinity within us who, if you remember from our time in the personal work of the Holy Spirit from the Gospel of John, who leads guides, intercedes, convicts, empowers. You have that in you because of your justification. It is a fruit of your union with Christ. And, but wait, there's more. He prays for you when you don't even know what to pray, which if we're honest, chalk that up to most days. And what a gift it is that we have. Think about this. The whole Trinity that created the universe, loving and interceding and advocating and empowering and praying for. And that's not all. According to Ephesians 1, you have access to all of the heavenly blessings. What are those? Well, God's promises. God's clear command and direction, God's power, you have access to all that. We ain't even gotten to what you're supposed to do yet. We haven't even gotten to your part yet or my part yet, have we? This is all of what we have because of our justification. We have each other. In community, all the means of grace are ours by virtue of our justification. And so, what Paul is suggesting here is that we would take and eat, taste and see that the Lord is good of this fruit. 
and that we would grow as a result of it. Think about that for a second. Uh, How do we grow biologically? Well, you got to ingest stuff. And if you're on the Whole30 diet, you tell everybody what you're ingesting all the time. (laughs) Notice nobody's on that anymore. Everybody's like, that was tyranny. That was crazy. But it was fun while it lasted. And so think this language matters, that the fruit of our justification, the fruit that we receive from being in union with Christ would actually help form us, shape us, grow us into what? Into Christ's image. Which is why he can say the fruit that leads to justification or sanctification. Now, sanctification uh, is different than justification. Sanctification is where we mature further into the image of Christ. Now, this is where you come in. I come in. We get to participate. We are invited into the work of becoming, becoming more like Jesus. We are not in charge of that work. We don't determine the outcome of that work, but we have the great gift of being able to cultivate all of the wonderful things based on all the wonderful things that we receive in our justification. We get to participate in a way and are invited in in such a way that it it helps us to grow and learn more and more of God's love and care for us. We also get to celebrate and have joy in the results. And even more, we have the gift of eternal life. And for those of you who know Colossians 3, that is a sealed reality, right? This is why Paul can say, and if you remember in Colossians 2, he actually uses their baptism. And he points them to their baptism and says, you know, essentially all of your sins have been crucified in Christ. You are now, you're no longer beholden to all that. If you are risen with Christ, look to the right hand of the Father where Christ is seated on high and and not to the things of the earth where your life is hidden and it'll be revealed when he comes in glory. Meaning who you are in Jesus is fixed. It is sealed. It is certain. Now that's great news to us because sanctification is a messy process. And if you think that sanctification is not messy, if you think that you are not risking and that you will make some mistakes in your zeal, if you don't think there's going to be some things you wish you could go back and do different, say different, uh, be different about, (laughs) you just haven't lived long enough or sinned big enough, according to Steve Brown. But you will learn. And you get to learn because the stakes are no longer eternal. And that is good news to us. We, by virtue of the guarantee of our glorification, are allowed to live in such a way that we can give away, we can risk, we can suffer in union with Christ. And so this is important that we see that it is this identity, this justification in Christ that forms and informs all other identities. Unfortunately, we have been in a myriad of ways, trying to do it the other way around. We have allowed our sexuality at times to inform our identity in Christ and try to redetermine that. Now, for those of you who are like, oh, finally, he's going to go after the LBG. No, 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 I'm talking to you who look at porn. I'm talking to you who diminish the co-heir image bearer uh, that you are to have by how you treat her and how you think about her. I'm talking to you who think that 
Your husband can never be anything different or men can never be anything different in Christ than lecherous rubes. But I'm also talking to the LBGTQ plus folks who think that they can redefine, re-say, and redetermine what Christ has said is our identity. I'm also talking to you political folks who think that your Christianity ought to first be defined by your republicanism or your democraticism or your independence or your uh, conscientious objectorness, you height of arrogant folk. I'm one of you. Uh, <laughs> if I just don't participate, I'm better than everybody. That's, that's horse hockey. Uh, but I've said it, right? It's part of my sanctification. You gotta say it sometimes in order to hear how just dumb it is and so you can grow and move on. And I'm also talking to you parents who have made your identity as a parent somehow greater than or informing of your identity in Christ. I'm, I'm talking to you single folks or you married folks or whomever thinks that your relationship with someone else is the thing that is supposed to change and, and affect your identity as to who you are in Christ versus the other way around. See, this is something we have to think, like it's, it's okay to, be, to, to, to wrestle with any and all of those things so long as you're asking the right question. The right question is, how does my justification in Christ inform and affect my sexuality, my politics, my relationships, my vocation, uh, my, my nationality, my ethnicity, all of these things? How does it inform that? And how can it be a gift offered up as part of my justification so that I might grow in sanctification in Christ? It's not that those things don't matter. They do, they matter significantly, but what's informing what, right? Are we cart or horse? So who we are in Christ is the single greatest reality that informs every other sub-reality. And that is what we have to wrestle with and our baptism is helpful to that. All the fruit of our justification helps us to do that and live that out in a way that is honoring to God and is honoring to who we ought be in him. And because of our glorification in Jesus, we get the, the, the room to wrestle. We get the room to be wrong for a season. We get the room to, to try to seek out what does scripture actually teach and say so that God would be glorified, which should be our, it is our highest calling and that we would take joy in him. This is who we are as baptized ones who've been justified, who have access to all the fruit of our justification so that we may grow in Christ and be able to take great hope in who he has said we will be when he comes in glory. Now listen to what John Stott says. This is, I think, a great summary for Romans chapter six. He says, we should be constantly reminding ourselves who we are. We need to learn to talk to ourselves and ask ourselves questions. Don't you know? Don't you know the meaning of your conversion and baptism? Don't you know that you have been united to Christ in his death and resurrection? Don't you know that you have been enslaved to God and have committed yourself to his obedience? Don't you know these things? Don't you know who you are? We must go on pressing ourselves with such questions until we reply to ourselves, yes, I do know who I am, a new person in Christ. And by the grace of God, 
I shall live accordingly. Now, how are you making use of the fruit from your justification that we've named? And there may even be a few more that didn't get named, but the primary things that were named, how are you making use of that fruit to help you grow in sanctification and prepare you for its end, which is eternal life? Are you thinking about these things? See, sometimes I think, again, another place I think we get the cart slightly before the horse is we go pragmatic first, right? We look for technique. We look for what's going to work. Like what's the, (laughs) we're Presbyterian. Most of you will say, hey, what book should I read? That's not a bad thing. I I, I can't throw stones there. I, I live in nothing but glass on that one. But we're looking oftentimes, I'm afraid, for a shortcut. And we're not often, as, as would probably be more helpful to us, grounding ourselves in the firm foundation, which is Jesus. Grounding ourselves in the great gifts of our justification and asking how those things, and you got to get practical at some point. Don't get me wrong. But how often do we, do we look at a long arc practicality? How, how often are we committed to not just losing weight, but becoming healthy? Not just, uh, not just growing in something, but becoming something. And that it would be informative of our identities. Well, what better thing for us than who we are as justified ones, as baptized ones in Christ? So my encouragement to you would be to take those things and put them before the Spirit and say, all right, Cameron's been talking about this stuff for weeks now. He says Paul's been talking about it. And so what do we do with it? How does this inform me on a Wednesday at three? How does this inform me before I go into a a difficult meeting with somebody? How does this inform who I am when when I am so frustrated by what I see going on in my, in my, my country, my city, my world? How does this help shape me? And what do I do with it? And not just have that as an internal dialogue, but put that out in community as well. Take opportunity to seek wise counsel from others. This isn't just a prayer closet type thing. You need the other gifts and insights and perspectives of those around you. This should help frame some of our conversation and how we would edify and encourage each other. Edify and encourage each other in and through our baptisms and who we are in Jesus Make use of those things as you counsel each other, as you encourage each other. And so Romans 6, 20 through 23 teaches us that the fruit of our justification helps us to grow in sanctification and prepares us for glorification in Jesus. Christ Community Church, would you join me in longing to taste and see that the Lord is good in and through the wondrous fruits of our justification his love and presence, Christ's advocacy and intercession, and his his praying for us on our behalf, our equipping for the work of the ministry with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit who prays for us when we don't know what to pray and that we have access to all the heavenly blessings. Would you pray that those things would become richer and more profound to us as we go about the work that he's entrusted to us? Let's pray. Father, Thank you that Christ died for us, that we no longer are slaves to sin, that we don't live in shame. We are no longer defined by the worst moment, the worst day, the worst circumstance, the worst mistake. 
We're also not defined by what we thought we got right either. That doesn't last. Lord, would you help us to see the end of those things that it truly is death. We don't get to decide what is righteous and what is holy. You did. And you have clearly defined that for us. You have helped us to see that. And God, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear where we, we are out of phase or, or are reasoning wrongly in light of those things. Help us to be free from the effects of sin. Help us to be free from fear of death, fear of judgment in, in the way that's eternal. And, and, and to taste and see that you are good in and through the fruit of our justification, what Christ has done for us. And would you help us to walk in that resurrected newness of life that from that firm foundation that we would be able to grow further into the image of Christ for our joy, your glory, and for the life of the world. That it would be something that would draw others to you into the family. Would you help us be ambassadors of reconciliation because of who and whose we are? Help us to see where we take some of our other roles and identities and try to try to rearrange who we are in Christ or in some way, shape, or form or let, letting it be informed in the wrong direction. Help us see that. Convict us in the power of the Holy Spirit so that we could bear fruits in keeping with repentance. God, help us to, to grow in your love, in Christ's image. We pray for this in Christ's name. Amen.